beautiful church, huh? I want to do something today, if you'll just go with me just for a moment. This is actually Pastor's Appreciation uh, Weekend, and uh, I usually get a pretty good bit of attention just because I'm bald-headed, kind of loud and obnoxious, (laughs) Those, those different things. But someone that hasn't got the attention for 25 years that's pastored right along with me, that the day that we got married, we became youth pastors, that has fought the battle with me. How many of you agree that you should not battle with half an army? What do you mean by that, J.O.? We believe in men and women battling together, working together, building the church, reaching our city. Amen? So... I just wanted to do this, just take a moment to tell my wife how much I love her and how much I appreciate her. Uh, 25, listen, I'm up here, most people know me, but you know what? Monday through Monday, she's working, well, Monday's our day off, let me, let me take that back. Tuesday through Sunday, and a lot of times Monday, <laughs> she's working behind the scenes in the trenches pastoring and touching people's life. So would you do me a favor? Do you mind appreciating her with me today, joining together? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Those Those are some pretty flowers right there. Thank you, church. You're beautiful. So my name is Bobby. I'm the REACH director here. Um, We get to oversee city groups and a couple other things, my wife and I together. And I just wanted to bring a little bit of attention to some things you may not realize in how much Raydeen does and pouring into all of the individual uh, women's city group leaders and things here at this church. And my wife wanted to say something real quick. Um, I'm so thankful for Pastor Raydeen. What you guys may know is that not only is she serving along with you, but she's serving for you. The, the amount of hours that she spends praying on your behalf, working on your behalf, seeking God on your behalf. And I'm so thankful that we have such a beautiful and strong woman of the Lord. Um, it's not that she's just a pastor's wife. They are so beautifully, evenly yoked. They do this together. And I'm so thankful of the example that you set to all of us. So thank you. Amen. And I know you're in Colossians right now. So Colossians 1.3 says, we always thank God the Father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, church. Will you say this with me, all in? All Last night we had a worship gathering. We uh, do that about once quarterly where we just come and just worship. And we just had a wonderful time, presence of God. And we're a worshiping church. And today I want to talk to you about all in worship. The question that I ask you, have you pushed your chips in the middle when it comes to your worship? Have you pushed all in when it comes to your praise and your worship unto Jesus? Are you holding back some chips in your worship for a little bit of, you know, I've got to save a little bit for Seattle Seahawks? Let's pray, and we're going to dive into this. i got several questions that I want to ask you today in the midst of worship. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? Why do you worship the way that you worship? You ready to dive? Here we go. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for my beautiful wife. 
Just ask that you bless her. Now, Lord, I, I just pray that you would send your word. I pray that you touch every one of our lives. Father, have your way. Holy Spirit, we just recognize that you're here and that you're moving. Thank you for your living word. Father, we just ask that your will be done now. Anoint this time in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I, I titled this a kiss. Say that with me, a kiss. And you'll understand in just a few minutes, I believe, why I titled it A Kiss All in Worship. Why do you worship the way that you worship? Not, not the way that your wife worships, not the way that somebody beside you worships, somebody on the front row worships. Why do you worship the way that you worship? Just, just answer that to yourself right now. Why do you worship the way that you worship? What does all in worship look like? What does it mean? What would that look like in your life? What molds your worship? What molds your Why do you worship the way you do? What, what caused you to worship the way that you do? Does tradition, maybe some tradition that you were brought into, a culture, maybe it's your personality, worship because of your personality in a certain way, maybe it's a denomination, You've been part of, it's molded you. Maybe it's your age. What, what, what molds your worship? Let's say for a moment that is tradition. What if it's vain or empty tradition that molds you? Jesus had something to say about tradition. I'm not talking about all traditions bad. There's a lot of beautiful traditions that we do in our house that's wonderful, and I hope that it's always life-giving tradition, kind of like what Ben was talking about, communion. It's not just an empty tradition, but it's full of life. But what if your worship is all based on tradition, and you do what you do because of tradition? Listen to what Jesus says, code red. Mark 7, 13. Making the word of God of no effect. Will you say that with me, no effect? Is your worship of effect or is your worship of no effect? Do you have effective worship or non-effective worship? It has to do in this scripture to do with tradition. Listen to what he says. Making the word of God. That's scary right there. Making the word of God, the living word of God, the most powerful thing in the entire universe, other than God himself, the word of God, that he esteems his word above him, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you've handed down, and many such things you do. Effect or, or no effect. Maybe it's because you're... you're your worship has been molded because of culture. Maybe it's just, hey, you know, we live in America and this is how we do it. You know, I, I've had the opportunity to be in Mexico. Culture, worship looks a little different, sounds different. I was raised in the South. It may, it may sound a little bit different. I've, been, I've preached in predominantly black churches, probably my, other than Heart of the City Church, my favorite place to preach because it's just worship, man. It, has a lot of soul, and I love that. Um, is it culture, Europe, Asia, Africa? Is it your personality? J.O., I'm a stoic person, therefore I will worship stoically. Is stoically a word? 
Is it your personality? Is it your age? I'm too old to worship. I'm too young to worship. I'm too middle-aged to worship. Is it your denomination that maybe you were raised in? What molds your worship today? Can I ask you this? I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you to talk back to me. You ready? You ready to answer a question? What do you think should mold your worship? Relationship with God? Word? Love? All those things are beautiful. What if I present to you today that I believe that our worship should be based on the Word of God? Does that sound good? Sounds safe? You're ready to read just some word, just some word when it comes to our praise and worship. And, and I recognize that our worship is not just on a Sunday morning and music. I get that. I think tithes and offerings is a form of worship. I think the way that you show up to work on time and your work ethic is a form of worship, worship working as unto the Lord. I think there's many forms of worship, but today I'm going to pick on the area of song and, and music and corporate worship when we come together. Is that okay? So what should form that? I believe the Word of God should form that. I'm just going to read some verses today out of the Bible in this area of this type of worship. Psalm 95, 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing. Will you say that with me? Sing, sing. unto the Lord. And singing's good, huh? Sing. Everyone say sing. sing. Let us shout. Oh, here we go. Getting a little more passionate. Everyone say shout. shout. Now shout with a shout. Shout with me with a shout. shout. Good, good, good. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us, uh, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. That sounds beautiful, huh? Let us shout joyful to him with psalms, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Amen. Amen. Uh, Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship. And look, 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 here's something right here, a little different. Bow down. Come on, somebody say bow. bow. Let us kneel. Wow. Getting a little more radical right there. Kneel before uh, the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God. Psalms 47, 1. Uh, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Everyone's... Clap, yeah. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Beautiful. Psalms 149.3, let them praise him. Whoa. Let them praise him with dance. J-O, 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 J-O. You're getting a little edgy right there, bro. Praise him with dance. What's going to form our worship? I think the Word of God should form our worship. I think our minds need to be renewed according to the Word of God, not our culture, not how you were raised, not what your parents did, but what does the Word of God say this morning? Let Him sing praises to Him with the timbrel and the heart. What worship blesses the heart of God? I think there's worship that really blesses God's heart. What worship, listen to this, is God seeking? Did you know that God is seeking a certain type of worship? I'm going to stretch you a little bit this morning. What do you base that on, J.O.? Well, look at John 4. Jesus has an encounter with a woman at a well, and then it goes from, gosh, him giving her a prophetic word about five husbands, and now 
living with a kind of a whatchamacallit and preaches the gospel to her, living water. And he just starts reading her mail. And before you know it, he breaks over into worship. Look what he says about worship, 21 through 24. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship no, no, back up. It doesn't say you will. It says you worship what you do not know. We worship. We know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour, listen to this. I think it's today. I think it's now. But the hour is coming. Now is when true worshipers, say that with me, true worshipers. Come on, go with me, church. True worshipers. It says this. We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But the Father is Whoa. Father is seeking true worshipers. What does the word seeking mean? Exactly. The word, the word seeking in the Greek means seek. He's seeking. He's looking. He's desiring those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It goes on to say, God is spirit. Those who worship him must, say that with me, must, worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is. Well, let me read it, 2 Corinthians 3.17. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me tell you about spirit worship. I think we have someone that's with us forever. As long as we walk on the face of the earth, his name is Holy Spirit, amen? We're not alone, and we believe in Holy Spirit-inspired worship. We believe in Holy Spirit-led worship, Holy Spirit-connected worship, Holy Spirit-empowered worship, Holy Spirit-breathed worship. Come on, Holy Ghost worship. He's with us. Somebody say Spirit and truth. What does truth mean? I think truth is what God says truth is. There are absolute truths. And I believe when it comes to this, what is truth? That we worship the one and only God, the true God. Not idol worship, not little g gods, but the one and true God, the, the God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three, but a mystery, but yet one God. I mean, come on. We worship in, Him in truth. Let me, let me share a true scripture to you this morning that I think is absolutely beautiful. A doctrine belief that we hold near and dear to our heart here. Psalms 22.3. Listen to this. Why do we do what we do? There's a reason. We don't do what we do because the world does it or because we just feel like doing it. We do it according to the scripture, the word of God. Now listen to this. Psalm 22.3. But you are holy, enthroned. Say that with me, enthroned. In the praises of Israel. We believe that when we praise him, God is enthroned. He comes and he inhabits the praises of his people. There's the omnipresence of God where he's everywhere. I go elk hunting, he's there. Come on, he's there. He's in my car. He's, he's omni. He's everywhere. There's the manifested presence. Well, let me back up. There's the principal presence of God. Two or more are gathered. I know he's here because we gather in his name. But I tell you what, beyond the omnipresence, which is powerful, and the principal presence, we worship God. And there's this thing called the manifested glory of God. The kabah, the glory, the cloud, the fire. You, you're like, woo, he's here. He's here. I mean, it's like, wow. That's ushered in through our praise and worship. 
Praise is what you would think it is. It's praise and adoration and thanksgiving. Look what the definition of worship is. You ready for this? You ready for the title, definition of worship? Meaning to kiss. Meaning to kiss. How intimate, how exciting, how personal worship, meaning to kiss. How many of you remember H2O? Uh, what, what was their names? Hall and Daryl Oates. What, what, was that their names? Can you help me out? Come on, 80s. Come on, 80s. Help me out. What was their names? Hall and Oates. Because your kiss, your kiss is on my list. Because your kiss, your kiss is on my list. Because your kiss is on my list of the best things in life. I'm going crazy. Whatever. Because how many of y'all remember that? 80, you raised in the 80s. Come on. Some of you young people are like, I don't know what that brother's singing right there, man. Hall and oat, what? Oats, what? Because your kiss is on my list. It's the best thing in life. Come on. Worship is a kiss. The kiss. It's not just the kiss, but it also is defined as the licking of a hand from a dog. The licking of a hand. The, the, your dog, when you get home, he absolutely, I mean a good dog, he absolutely goes crazy over you like a dog licking his master's hand. When I get home, we have a really cool Yorker, Yorkie, named Kai. And Kai may or may not greet me at the door. He may or may not get out of the bed. I've been many times where Kai never gets out of the bed. He knows my motorcycle. He knows my truck. But I want to let you know very clearly today, when Radine's car drives into the driveway, I normally typically hear feet hit the ground, and then, and then Superman flight onto the couch, to the back of the couch, and Kai is looking for mom to come in the house. She opens the door. He's going nuts. He's going crazy. He's rolling over. He's kicking. He would lick her hand if he could get to it. I'm telling you, what a beautiful form of worship. Man's best friend. Come on. How many of you had a dog something like that before? I'm not telling you, that's the, that's the Greek for worship. I mean, it's very intimate, very emotional, very exciting, very personal, very passionate. Let me say something about passion. I think what follows passion is action. I don't think you can say, I just passionately love my wife. I, no, I'm never going to kiss her. I'm never going to date her. I'm never going to buy her a gift. But I passionately love her. Come on, man. I love God, but in worship, I'm just going to. Shackles off my feet so I can dance. I'm just going to praise him. I'm just going to praise him. You may not know Mary Mary. Come on, somebody. Broke the chain so I can lift my hands. I'm just going to praise him. Huh? 
Listen to this. Just, you got, oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. What you going to do? Would you hit those lights and crank me up here? Just put this right here. Oh, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Woo. And now we praise you, Libra. Yeah. Like this, y'all. Like this, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Who told you church is supposed to be quiet? Heaven goes nuts. It's like roaring waters. Wow. I love that song. Isn't that beautiful? Worship to the world may look wacky. To the spectator, it may be a speculate, or they may speculate if you're just spectating. But to the worshiper, to the believing, to the true worshiper, it's something very, very beautiful. It's absolutely uh, beautiful. And to God, I think it's wonderful because he comes in our worship. I want to read a story about worship, about God's presence, and about tragedy today. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel 6. And check this out because I don't want you to get confused. I'm going to kind of kick out a story from 1 Samuel 5 and 6. Predominantly, the story that I'm sharing today is out of 2 Samuel 6. But I am going to share a little bit of history about the ark in just a few minutes. Second Samuel 6, 3 through 11. Let me just read this. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Everyone say new cart. New David, a man after God's own heart. Nobody ever has been a king like him before. Never has been, never will be. David's the man. My favorite character in the Bible other than Jesus. He goes, I want the presence of God in my city. I want the Ark of the Covenant in my city. The Ark of, call it the Ark of God. Call it the Ark of the Covenant. I want it in my city. And David's like, hey, I'm going to take about 30,000 guys. We're going to go usher the presence of God in our city. We're going to go usher the covenant of God in our city. So this is what he does. So he set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill in Yuza and Ohio. The sons of Abinadab drove the new cart, two sons driving a new cart. They brought it out of the house of Benadab, which was on a hill accompanied by the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord, all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, harp, string instruments, and tambourines, and sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Yuzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it. How many of you know you don't spit in the wind? You don't take the mask off the long ranger? 
and Indiana Jones, you don't touch the ark of God. Used to put it out of his hands, the ark of God took a hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord arose against Yuza, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Yuza, and he called that name of the place Perez used it to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can I, how can the ark of God, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Look what happens at Obed-Edom's house. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You want the presence of God in your home. You want it in your children. You want it in your business. You want it in your family. You want it in your car. You want it in your school. Listen to what happened to Obed-Edom and his house. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Ark of God, what reminds me of the Ark of God, if you've ever, how many of you have ever seen Indiana Jones and you saw what the movie portrayed it to be? You can get like a, a, a symbol of it out of the Bible. Ark of God, the Ten Commandments was in the Ark. The Rod of Aaron was in the Ark. Uh, it reminds me of the mercy seat, the atonement seat. There was a jar of manna in the Ark. It reminded me of the presence of God, the power of God. All these things were, to me, reminded me and represented the ark of God. Well, stay there. Little history. If you go to, I just want to show you about the power, the power of the ark of God. One day, would you go on and get uh, Dagon for me? Dagon, the Philistines captured the ark of God, captured the presence. Now, I would say you are crazy to try to capture the ark of God. This is, everyone say hi, Dagon. Yeah. I think you'd be crazy to try to touch the ark of God. You're an uncircumcised Philistine, pagan, and you're going to capture the ark of God, the covenant of God. The ark that's for the Jewish people, I, I'd be scared. But they did. They, they said they captured it, 1 Samuel 5. So they set the ark of God in a pagan little g-god temple house called Dagon. Dagon is a god. didn't look like this. This is just what I could find. Dagon was a fish god, little, little g-fish god. He had a tail, kind of like a mermaid. And that was a god. Later on, you see Samson wiping out the entire temple of Dagon. But right now, they set the ark of God in this temple, and look what takes place. They go in the next morning after they have set the ark of God in this temple, and Dagon, look what happens. Dagon is on its face, just falling over, right? That was the first morning. Just being in the presence of God. Dagon, I mean, what, come on, what is Dagon to God? Would you stand Dagon back up? Thank you. Then the next morning, they put him in there again. They stand Dagon back up, however they did it, however it looked, however big it was. They go in and check it the next morning. You already read the Bible. It's a beautiful story of the power of God. Going in there the next morning, Dagon is once again, and guess what? 
His head's broken off, and his hands are broken off. And the only thing left of, of Dagon pretty much is his torso. Why? Because of the power of the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant and what it represented. Would you now put Dagon back in his place? <laughs> Bye, Dagon. How do you like Dagon shorts? That's the power of the Ark of the Covenant of Dagon. The, the, it gets worse. The Philistines break out in tumors. I mean, they're like, they go to their pagan priests, go, what do we do? What do we do? So what they did, that brings me to the, the attention of what David did. David, listen to me real good. He put the Ark of God on a new cart pulled by oxen. Where did that thought come from? I can't prove the thought came from this, but I can show you a pagan people, a Philistine people had earlier because of their pagan priests said, put the ark on a cart, pull it with milk cows and get it out of our country pretty much. And let, let me just read the scripture. If you look at 1 Samuel 6, 10, 11, it says this, then the men did so. They took Two uh, milk cows hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with gold rats and the images of their tumors. And they put it. And I could just see them doing that. And then, like, the priest is like, man, you get. And they smack that cow on the tail. And they're like, just get it out of this city, man. Get it. We don't care what you do with it. Just get it out of here. You know what I'm saying? I believe that David had copied what these pagan country had did. And David set the ark of God on a new cart and pulled it with oxen. Therefore, the oxen stumbled because the ark of God was never meant to put on a cart and it was never meant to be pulled by oxen. If you look at the ark of God, there's rods through it that man is supposed to, man is to bear, man is to carry the ark of God. I think David got away, he, he started getting prayer, he began to seek God, and now he comes out with a plan of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, and now it looks way different. Let me show you. If you look at now 2 Samuel 6, 12, it's going to be behind me on the Sky Bible, if you don't, you should follow this in your own Bible, because You'll be able to go back to it, study. You could read about Dagon and the Ark of the God and the Covenant and so forth and so on. Now look what takes place. I believe with all my heart that David was like, I want to get the, the presence of God in my city. But God, something's not right. So I believe that tradition, say that with me, tradition. I believe tradition stumbles so many people. Like the oxen was stumbled, and it caused that one brother to die. I believe that traditions stumble people throughout life, and it binds them up, and they're not freed to do what God would have them to do according to the word of God. Now, look what David does. He, he kind of like has a moment. I don't know if he had revelation knowledge, but he begins to do things differently. Look at, look at what the Bible says, verse 12. Now, it was told David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Old of Edom, and all that belongs to him. Why? Because he was cute. 
Because he had a great education, because he was a president, because he had statue, because... No, because of the ark of God. You want the presence of God in your home. And it goes on to say, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with... Say that with me. I think our, the attitude of our heart is vital when it comes to the presence of God. Yeah, I got to go to church today. My wife is dragging me to church. Got to go just Sunday. Got, come on, let's go to the 830 service. Get it over with. J.O., he's going to be all excited, and I'm just going to sit there, and I ain't going to say nothing. I'm, matter of fact, I want him to know how mad I am today. I'm going to make my face sad. <laughs> David had a revelation that I think his heart, what did David say? I was glad, say that with me, glad. glad. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on. Yeah, come on. Gladness. I think that he had an attitude change. His heart was changed. And we're like, hey, we're going to put gladness on today. Come on, high-five your neighbor and say gladness. Look at the next scripture. Don't, don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't forget that coming to the house of God or in the mornings when you're getting with Jesus. Come on. He looks upon the heart, the attitude of the heart. Look at verse 13. And so it was when those bearing, say that with me, bearing. Bearing, bearing means to lift. It wasn't going to be a, a, a cart that lift. It wasn't going to be the oxen that lift. It was going to be man lifting. It was going to be the ark of God was going to be carried in to the city of David upon the shoulders and the hands of man. It was going to be we. Who, who, who's to lift up Jesus? Come on, come on. Who's to lift up Jesus? Me and you. When we lift up Jesus, guess what he does? He draws all men to himself. Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, and as long as people looked upon the serpent, their lives were saved. When we lift up Jesus, and he's lifted up in our city, and they look to him, our city's going to be saved. It's going to be transformed. Come on. Not an oxen, not a new cart, but me and you are to lift up the name of Jesus. We're to bear the presence of Jesus. Sunday morning is not like, hey, you know what? Give me my card. Let me, uh, let, me, uh, uh, let me judge the worship team today. Oh, they did about a three. Oh, they hit a seven today. Oh, it's the voice. They hit a 10. We turned our seats. No, we're to lift up the presence of God. We're to bear the presence. Come on. And it goes on to say, and the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fat sheep. Jail, 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 jail. I'm tired this morning. Got a little bit of a headache. Had a hard week. I don't really feel like worship. I think I'm just going to just, I think I'm just going to sit here. I don't feel like sacrificing. Well, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it's a sacrifice. David's like, hey! I'm not going to give God anything that does not cost me. Wow. I'm going to every six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Give me that butcher knife right there. 
I know that you don't like to hear that in America. But he would sacrifice. He would sacrifice. He would sacrifice. Because he knew. I mean, he wanted God to know, hey, you're my everything. You're my all in all. And I am all in. Sacrifice. They bared and they sacrificed. Look at the next one. 2 Samuel 6.14. You ready for this one? Here we go. Going to kick you out of your nest a little bit. Then David danced. Oh, jail, jail, jail. You, you crossed the limit right there, man. Dance? I can't even keep rhythm. David danced before the, just to usher in the presence of God. The king of, the greatest king to ever walk on the face of the earth, stripped down and kind of like a, a diaper thing. And he danced before the Lord. And I'm sure he danced like this. Just, just stay right there. 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 He danced before the Lord with all of his might. I'm not saying that you got to go crazy and draw all attention to you. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you not to do that. If you draw all attention to you, then it gets weird. And then it's not unto God. But dance is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. David danced before the Lord with all of... Look, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Wow. Gladness. Bared the presence of God. Sacrifice. What's going to mold your worship? What will mold your worship? How will you worship? How did David, a man after God's own heart, worship? I'm not saying that you have to go plumb nuts in worship. But just say that you've been a worshiper like this. Maybe try singing. Maybe you've never lifted your hands before in the, in the presence of God, which is throughout the Bible. Maybe you get to right here and you're lifting a refrigerator. <laughs> Maybe you've never danced before, but you're like, okay. Jordan looks pretty cool up front. He does this right here. Maybe you step out a little bit unto the Lord. Unto the, say that with me, unto the Lord. His wife went crazy because the Bible says Saul's daughter, Macau, and she said, you've undignified yourself and you've stripped down and signed your servants. And all the... He's like, woman, I did this before the Lord who chose me over your daddy. He was a man after God's own heart. What forms your worship. I'm going I'm to close with this. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, with sounds of trumpet. I love this because David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. I love this because David was intentional about his worship. It wasn't culture. It wasn't just 
You know, how many kings have stripped down to their ephod before and worshipped the Lord and brought in the Ark of the Covenant before like that? I don't know. David presented himself as a living sacrifice. Listen to the scripture out of Romans 12, 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Let me tell you the power in closing today of worship. Jehoshaphat, somebody lost their glasses. I don't want to step on those. Jehoshaphat, I tell you what, all these countries are going to team up on Jehoshaphat and they're going to try to wipe them out. The, the, he began to pray and fast and sent a, God sent a prophet and, and make a long story even longer. Uh, Jehoshaphat <laughs> prayed after praying. He got up the next morning and he put out worshipers and singers in front of of the army what kind of crazy strategy is that you're going to sacrifice these people what are you going to do they're going to wipe their heads off come on he put worshipers and singers out in front of the army and as they began to worship and sing you know what the, the lord did he ambushed the enemy listen worship will shift things in your life worship will change the atmosphere, when God comes and he begins to move, I tell you what, he'll come up to the bat and knock it out of the park on your behalf because of your heart of worship. Listen to Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, here they are. They just cast a demon out of a young girl. The leaders of the city doesn't like it. They beat Paul and Silas with rods. Then they put him in the inner prison, both of them. You know what, inner, you know what Paul and Silas did? Uh, I want my number one phone call, please. I, I, I got a phone call. Uh, I need my lawyer. This is not right what you did. This is unjust. This is unrighteous. What you've done to us today, we just cast a demon. They didn't do any of that. You know what they did? In the inner prison, they began to pray and sing psalms. And as they prayed and sang psalms, the foundation of the prison was shaken the doors of the prisons were opened and all the chains of the prisoners were broken the guy overlooking them saw this he almost committed suicide oh we're here we, we haven't ran away what the prisoner security guard gets born again him and his whole family worship changes everything worship healing salvation the enemy's attack come on worship worshipers true and spirit worshipers will you stand to your feet